0: Enjoying time praying, reading my Bible. Um, I've, I've been kind of going through a new Bible right now. Um, I've, I, I would say this is a really good practice if you haven't done it. If you've, if you've only read one translation, I encourage you to like just pick other translations from time to time. Uh, I probably the New Living is probably going to be always my favorite because it just talks the way I talk. But um, I've read the NIV. I'm not a big fan of the NIV. If you are, that's awesome. But I'm just not it's missing a lot of stuff uh, that I actually like that's in the King James or in the New King James and things like that. And so I tend to, I tend to float away from the NIV just because of that. Um, but also, uh, I've liked the ASV. I, I have loved, um, uh, I'm right now studying the ESV. And so some things when I preach will come from the ESV right now, which has been an awesome study. They they each use different words. Like if you look up a word and then you look like on, uh, uh, I, you know, everything now is through, through Google, right? You can Google, uh, there's a website out there that just does synonyms, right? So you put a word in there and it gives you the synonym, all the similar words, right, to, to that word, right? And so uh, it's, it's pretty interesting uh, how many different translations use different words to describe the same thing. And so uh, I, I like it. I like it a lot, um, uh, and this week I've been just kind of appreciating my quiet time with the Lord, uh, which has been quite a bit but the last couple of days here I've been working late and when I say working late the last two nights in a row, I've been up after midnight working uh, so this morning uh, I'm telling you it was kind of a godsend to get up this morning and see rain uh it was it was nice in the in the middle of the darkness uh, and then watching as the sun comes up with all the the rain and the clouds and everything it was nice to see it so uh and uh, seeing that the last couple of days I've stayed up so late that it's been really a challenge to get up. And it's made me appreciate the moments when I don't have to work till midnight. Praise God. So today we're going to close this series of teaching. We started with learning about uh, the power of words uh, and uh, uh, how our words have an effect upon others uh, and even ourselves we looked at the book of James I'm just kind of kind of re kind of go over things. If you missed anything is, and I'm going to paraphrase this in the book of James. He says, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouth. Uh, he says the words that come on our, out of our mouth can accomplish anything, but it can also destroy anything. Uh, and so we, we have the ability within each one of us to either build up or tear down with our words. It really makes you think about the words that you say all the time. Uh, I have gotten better at this over uh, the years, but I'm still (laughs) struggling sometimes. This morning is like one of those where I'm like just struggling to like everything that could go wrong with sound this morning has kind of gone wrong. Um, We had literally a wire go out on one guitar. The reason we had been playing my guitar, if you remember Easter, we punched a hole in it. and, And so it's kind of always hard to look at this giant 50 cent piece hole sitting in my guitar. And so it just, it's just—it's been in a thing this morning. And then, then still, there's the wireless issue. We're still—we've gone wireless, and there's hiccups that just come with that. And I, there's no way I can know this because there's nobody really out there doing kind of what we're doing right now when it comes to sound. So these are all just part of it. And uh, it one of makes me say words that uh, are not appropriate for preaching in the morning. So uh, it's it really—you know—when you look back and you look at the power of words and what they can say, it, it's not only just what it says to my own heart. How I talk to myself, try to give myself grace in the whole process, but also everybody else, right? Uh, the things we say have an effect on not just us, but everyone, right? So then we talked about Ephesians 4, where the Apostle Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, commands us to get rid of all bitterness. Remember, we talked about this rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of behavior. We learned that the only way to get rid of all of this is to be kind to one another. We worked on the power of forgiveness, right? Uh, and it's the only way that you can move on from hurt, because if you don't, you end up bitter um, and lonely and depressed, which is what a lot of this world is struggling with. They're all mad at somebody. What do you think all this social justice warrior stuff is? Everybody's mad at somebody. Everybody's bitter about something. Right. Nobody forgives. That's the problem we're, we're working with today in our culture. But forgiveness paves the way for us to love and also to be loved. And without love, there's just no forgiveness. That's why the next week or this last week, if you were here last Sunday, we talked about love. And we talked about a couple of things. We talked about how love is eternal, right? We also talked about love being a decision. You know, you you choose to love. Jesus chose to love us. Even though he knew some of us would never come to him, right? He chose to love us. I heard a Very interesting, uh, I I take it back, I read this, uh, very interesting, it's an older sermon, uh, but it was a great analogy, and it talked about, I would call this the love of God, although it it was not, it was probably taken more as like fear of the Lord, but they described the love of God somewhat like this. They said that um, in your life, you are born on this slippery slope, and it is so slippery that honestly... No matter how much I tell you to come off of it, you're, you're like, no, it's going to be okay. I can handle this slippery slope. And, um, uh, and then, but, but what I'm going to do is, because I love you, I'm going to stick my arm out, right? And you use it for support, and it's what's holding you up. It's the only thing that's holding you up. And as you, I keep trying to tell you, there's going to come a time I'm going to pull my arm away, and you are going to slide, Like, I I know that you've got all these ideas about how you're never going to slide down this slope, but I'm telling you, when I pull my arm back, all your weight and everything that you have in life is just going to push you down that thing. It's just going to happen. And no matter what you plan to say or what you plan on doing in life, when I pull that arm back, that's going to be the end of it. And one day the arm will get pulled back, right? And what drops you down is really your own weight. The arrogance, the thought that you could just stay on top of it and, and, and. Never have that, that, that issue. Man, it was an awesome sermon. You pr- probably heard of it. It actually is the intro into uh, Sinners in the Hands of the Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. And uh, I've, I found such love in that. I, I've been just like devouring that here lately. The idea, the thought of that, that God literally is holding me up at all times that unless I just say, okay, I want off of it, Lord, I'll take your hand, pull me right off this thing. You're my only security. You're my only everything. It's been a been a very eye-opening thing, and, and I see the love of God trying to rescue me the entire time. He's trying to call me down from there, and uh, the, the the sermon actually goes on to talk about how men scheme and he doesn't use scheme like we think of scheme we think of scheme like evil but he he just says men try to make plans like okay if i am like this in life then i'll never have to worry about going to hell because i'm good i'll do these things i'll give to charities i'll this is men make all their plans on how they're going to avoid the fall but at the end of the day god's eventually going to pull his hand up and the fall is going to happen and you can either land in grace or you can land in hell but at the end of the day we're all on the slippery slope at what point are you going to receive it from the Lord, right? Receive the grace and love from God. Pretty amazing sermon. So it was awesome to listen to that. Uh, I, I could just see so much love in that, right? And, and I see this love from God. It forces me to look into it and look at how honestly, how like feeble and weak our, our love is kind of, you know. Uh, so it's pretty, all of this has been interesting. And it's not just a matter of looking at word, like a single word and, and pulling out a word. All of these are found in the gospel, Right? All of these, working on our tongue, that's all over James. Everybody knows that working uh, on the tongue is a a big issue for a Christian. How we talk and how we behave ourselves is is huge because it represents Christ. And it's not something we strong will either. There should be a transformation process taking place within us, right, that's done by the Holy Spirit. and so all of this, this, uh, all of this, we've been studying the power of these things, the significance of these things, how they impact our life. These are things that we should really be thinking about uh, as we're growing in discipleship. And so today I'm going to finish on the subject. Uh, this one's probably underrated. I think that most people, if I was to throw all the four of the ones that I just kind of picked out, whether it was uh, we talked about words, we talked about forgiveness, love, and then I'm going to talk about appreciation. And I think people would probably think love uh, would be the higher of all of it. But here's the thing about appreciation, and and we're going to get into it. Uh, uh, It comes from love. It kind of stems from it also. It's also one of the fruits of love. But appreciation really is kind of our part in it, whereas everything else has kind of been the Lord so far. Um, Dictionary defines appreciation as a favorable, sensitive awareness especially in recognition of like your values and expression of admiration or approval or uh, gratitude. And I'll put it in plain words. Appreciation is the response we have when someone or something has worked favorably towards us or worked in a way that's pleasing for us, right? When, when somebody's done you a favor, who's got a warning ticket, right? Like, I, I wholeheartedly appreciate that police officer, that warning ticket. I know I did something wrong. He can totally prove it, and yet he still let me off the hook. I appreciate you, sir. When the highway patrol calls me for a donation, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's cheaper than a ticket. I absolutely appreciate that. Another example, we appreciate our friends, right? Because they're there when we need them, or they they say nice things to us. This act of favor with them causes us to reciprocate the same respect and trust in the form of appreciation appreciation we say thank you or we say i love you or we say i appreciate you so much right it sounds familiar yeah we all deal with it right appreciation is just the act of being thankful it's a act of being thankful for the grace of god for your life for your friends for your family right the list goes on second corinthians two fifteen. therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to move forward right after that. Lord, we uh, are going to continue to read your word this morning. I pray that it be a lamp and a light. May it guide us uh, to the things you're calling us to. May it be the seed that's planted that grows and produce a lot of fruit, God. Father, may it change us um, to become more like your son so that we glorify him and you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so so listen, the reason I bring that scripture up that we're, we're this new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, is because we are changed, right, by the Holy Spirit. We are changed through the power of appreciation. What are we appreciating? The grace of God, right? We, we appreciate, we have an understanding of what Jesus has done because we have an understanding of what he's done, that he's looked upon us favorably, right? We receive it, we believe it, right? And through appreciation of grace, we allow it to change us, right? As we come into the knowledge, our response is this profound appreciation that we call transformation. It's what it is, Right? It changes us from the inside out. It opens our heart to the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It transforms us into something new. Why are we so persistent? Why would we get up and pray? Why would we get up? Because we appreciate what God has done. We have an understanding of it. And because we understand it, we appreciate it. I remember a quote from uh, Brennan. Manning, uh, who once said in the 33 years since I was first ambushed by Jesus, I am now utterly convinced that on judgment day, the Lord will ask one question and only one question. Did you believe that I loved you, that I desired you, that I waited for you day after day, that I longed to hear the sound of your voice? He says the real believers will respond and say, I believed in your love and I tried to shape my life in response to it. That's called appreciation, allowing the the, the, the the ministry of appreciation to understand what God's done for you and change your life because of it. Your life begins to change. It begins to be shaped. It begins to be transformed. New creation in Christ because the power of appreciation and for what God's done, right? It shapes our lives, right? The act of appreciation was created in us, right? This act is part of what is happening is when we Worship God, right? We started off worshiping the Lord. Why are we worshiping the Lord? Because we are thankful. We are grateful. We appreciate what God's done, right? Worship is a form of appreciation. We worship God in appreciation of who he is and what he's done, right, through us. Worship is telling God, thank you. It's okay, right? It's good to say, right? Thank you for all you do. Thank you for our life. When we worship God, we're telling him we appreciate him. Now, the Bible talks deeply about appreciation, Uh, that we're to have for God and and upon our lives. And an interesting fact uh, about giving God uh, thanks is that the word thanks actually occurs, like, depending on which translation, it's about 130 to like 140, 141 times. I would say that's a pretty big deal. People are very appreciative of God in the Bible. I don't know if you've noticed, like, the whole book of Psalms, you know? I mean, there's a lot of places where they are worshiping God. They are telling God how much they appreciate, and we're going through, Uh, uh, Nehemiah right now, and there are times where Nehemiah is literally praying, saying thank you for what you've done and showing his appreciation through prayer and devotion. Um, I think that's interesting. We we are to be thankful about for what God has done, right? And we do so by worshiping, by telling him thank you, by praying to him, by talking with him. It shows up in every aspect of our life. But here's the thing. It really starts with God. If you struggle appreciating what God's done for you, then you're going to struggle with all kinds of other aspects in life. All right? Everything starts with him as well as everything ends with him. And here's the thing. You're supposed to appreciate the journey along the way. Right? Like it or not, I'm supposed to appreciate all the trouble we had this morning. You know? I'm supposed to appreciate that. Like, as, that's good. Right? Like, that, that this is part of the journey. God's working things out. Right? Ultimately, that's, this is how God is working in my life. This is how he's creating change. First Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in, he says, all, A-double-L, man, in all circumstances. Yeah, but God, I need the microphone because I like it better that I don't have to hold it. It feels like a ball and chain in one hand or the other. Yeah, God says, yeah, be thankful. Be thankful that you have a microphone at all. There's people that don't have microphones at all and don't have anything like this. There's people that don't have instruments. people don't have the finances to afford some of these things. There's people don't have these things. Listen, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. You've been wondering what God's will is? Uh, here, are, here you go this morning. Write this one down. God's will is that you be thankful, that you be appreciative, right? Sounds just like a parent now. You should appreciate what you got. Right? Have you heard your mom say that before? Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you should appreciate it, you ungrateful. Oh, that's too much like my mom. Hang on. Hang on. I thought that was my other name for a while, ungrateful. (laughs) The scripture is saying that we should appreciate God uh, in the good times and the bad. And that's hard to do, isn't it? I remember one of the songs that uh, was always a struggle, to uh, listen or to listen to, and even play and, and do was, uh, Blessed Be Your Name, right? Remember that song, Blessed Be Your Name? Uh, um, he gives and takes away. Blessed Be Your Name. I know a lot of people like, I ain't, I ain't, I'm not, I mean, come on. He takes away? Yeah, sometimes it needs to be taken away, for good or for bad, like everything. Give thanks in all things. Appreciate all the moment. Appreciate the journey. But 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 it's hard. It's difficult. It's not always easy. There's going to be hiccups where no matter what you do, like you're just singing the song there. And, and I'm really trying to be into the song. And I think the best thing I got going on for me is these kids over here that was helping me out, right? Because they just, you know what? They're not having a bad day. I don't know if you noticed, like they weren't having a bad day at all. They were completely oblivious to anything that might have happened up here that was a technology glitch or anything. And I was reminded, like when God said, come like a child, Uh, that I was, like, ministered to this morning by our children in a reminder of what my attitude should be. Like, I should just be happy that I get to sing praise the Lord. I should just be happy that no matter that, that God has given a people that wants to walk together and worship together and join up in on Sunday morning and just love Jesus together, right? That's enough. Right. Whether we get to sing or we get to preach or we get to hear anything, just the fact that we get to come together and we're united as one body in the same blood, the blood that flows through us is the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. And, and we get to be family. I should appreciate those things. Right. And, and it reminds me of how simple uh, it is. But I can I can honestly tell you, I still meet a lot of people whose theology is messed up here, who struggle with like, oh, if it's hard times, it must be the devil. Man, I'm going to tell you sometimes now, you know what I've learned over the years, sometimes uh, I think the devil's done me more good than not. And what I mean by that is there's some things that didn't go my way that I think, man, I look back where I've seen people that have everything go their way, right? And here I am, I feel like, man, I'm the polar opposite of that poster child, right? I, you know, and what I mean, like, when I say everything went their way, I remember hearing God say, oh, man, that was, look, at the, God just opened up every door for them, right? And then, and then for me, it was like, man, where's my door? <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like, I've had to, like, kick through most of the doors. You know, I, just, it just, it feels like that, right? But then to watch that other person today maybe not serving the Lord. And I go, you know what? I'm grateful for kicking doors because, man, I, it could be worse. I could have had everything given to me and be unappreciative and not where I should be right now with the Lord. You remember that part where your parents tell you, I'm going to make you buy it, right? I'm going to make you work for your first car. I'm going to make you buy this. You're going to have to work hard to get the money to raise this, that, because you'll appreciate it more if you work for it. Anybody else heard that one? It's true. There's some truth to that, right? The things that have been difficult are the things that you appreciate even more. That's why marriages, as they grow on and on and on, look, you just get to a place where like, you just love being married. Why? Because you know it's not been easy. And the the harder it gets, and you know that you've been through all these things, you start to laugh at even harder stuff that comes up. Man, what's the worst we can do? Be broke? We've been there before. Right? What's the worst thing to do? We miss a bill? Ain't the first time. I mean, you just start. You come to that place. Everybody's had hardship in their life. Everybody's had those things. I remember years ago, one of my most probably liberating theological moments. It was also one of my most deeply troubling moments in my early uh, Christian walk. And and, uh, it's uh, when I began to uh, minister and preach. Joy's grandfather was gracious enough. He would literally like dress me up like the preacher. He he really got into the like the little white collars that the Catholics wear. He just loved it. And, and total Pentecostal preacher, but loved the way they dressed. And so he bought me a little collared shirt. I'll have to show you that picture sometime where I'm wearing the little Catholic collared shirt. And I'm up there preaching. He really just wanted, like, I think I was like the son he didn't get, you know. And so he's, like, putting me up there, really modeling me out. And, and I would be up there preaching, the worst preacher ever, just more fire than actual preaching. You know, I mean, just, just here's a kid on fire that's, believe, you know, just really on fire for Jesus. Doesn't really preach really good at all. and, and But I'm on fire, right? And when you're, the, the, when you're right on fire, like, that's probably when you're the most, like, contagious, you know. And, like, that fire spreads really fast. In sales, they always say uh, in sales that uh, uh, the, the person who's the most dangerous is the one with the least amount of knowledge. Because it's all excitement. And they sell you off of just sheer excitement, more so than they do their knowledge. It's true. It's true. It's, it, it's a true fact. So, like, as a newly, uh, I wouldn't say converted Christian, but newly Holy Spirit-filled Christian, man, I was on fire. And so he's let me preach. He's putting me up there. He's making me look like the preacher. He's like, man, I think you should start laying hands on people. And I'm like, well, what, how do I do that? Like, like, do I need to go plug into the light socket? Where does the power come from? Right? Where I don't understand how that works. Right? And he's like, no, you just lay hands and believe, man, and God will do the rest. And I'm like, okay, all right, I, I can do this. This is going to be weird, but I can do this. And, and, and I held an altar call. We had people come up to the front. I begin to lay hands. And, man, these people would, f- like, fall out. And some people would have these amazing testimonies. You know what I felt in that whole process, you know? Nothing. Like, nothing. I mean, like, like how you probably feel right now. Like, just sitting there, totally, I'm praying. You, you ever, you've read the story of Jesus, like, power has left me. Right? I mean, like, he knows, like, I don't know who touched me, but somebody touched me. I literally felt the power. A lot of us think like Marvel Universe stuff. We just like see the power drain out of his body and into the person, right? I mean, we have this picture of what we believe that it is, right? Nothing. Like, people get. I literally saw, I remember this one lady's testimony who said, I've been taking these prescriptions because of a birth defect all my life. Brother Jim, you prayed for me. I went back to the doctor. He says, I don't know. I don't even see what you're talking about anymore. I I don't know where it's gone, but it's complete. It was a complete miracle that happened, and you know what? I felt nothing. Nothing. There was no power that left me. Nothing. I didn't feel anything, and 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 it began to be such a weird thing for me because I kept thinking, surely I'm going to feel something, right? Like I don't even feel anything, and I, and I started thinking, how bad is that? Like the preacher doesn't even get it, right? Like I mean. Surely there's more to this because I look at others who lay hands and man they they have such confidence and I mean you know some of them just throw you to the ground anyway but like I had already made up my mind that's not going to be me we're not doing courtesy falls that kind of stuff we're not going to do we're gonna, it's either real or it's not I'm going to pray for you if it if it happens awesome if it doesn't awesome it's okay right um, but I struggled with it if it doesn't because what is I mean I'm going to lie I'm gonna, you're Brandly, brand new into the Holy Spirit, you're, you're excited, you're on fire, um, the, the truth is I was hurt when it didn't, like, is it because I don't believe enough, is it, no, listen, I didn't have a theology at that time, I just, I just loved God, I just appreciated God, and I didn't understand, like, in good times or bad times, I thought, can't we just all lay hands and just all find that moment with God, and somewhere in our belief, it's just always going to happen, can I tell you, it's not, I think that was the hardest thing I had to come to grips with, that there aren't always going to be good times. Well, oh, man, I came into this thing. They told me it's going to be so great, and it is so great. But, but there was this naivety of, well, if I just believe hard enough that it's going to happen. Can I tell you, it's just not always that way. You think Job didn't believe in God? <laughs> I look back at that conversation now, Joe, and this is what that thing led me to. and It really started from this guy I saw I remember hearing these stories and I don't I'm sure you have. If you're Pentecostal or you've learned anything about Pentecostal, you've studied Smith Wigglesworth, you've studied some of these old Pentecostal preachers of old where like this person had like a gorter on their neck, they laid hands on it the next day the whole like grapefruit gorter it's gone, right? Or like people have talked about whole limbs growing back and God doing crazy stuff, right? I remember seeing this guy on the side of the street, kind of a homeless guy, and he was like missing like a hand or was missing some fingers. And I remember th- thinking, you know, like, there, I could possibly pray for this guy, and he never would receive that. Whether he believed it or not, There actually might, he might never, ever get any of his appendages back. And God might never heal him, and that also might be the will of God. And I struggled. I cried about that. And I remember it launched me on the journey to study the sovereignty of God. And Can I tell you, this was crazy. When I say that I love God in the good times and the bad... What it's taught me is to learn the value of the bad. Like like how much, it's amazing to me how much the enemy teaches us that God uses the devil like in Job as a tool. A tool to teach me about the greatness of God. Right? And it started to make sense to me. I started listening to all this theology that was saying stuff like, oh, man, you just don't. I literally heard a guy one time goes, I was praying for this guy, but he just didn't have enough faith. I was like, brother, that's all of us. All of us struggle with faith. Everybody struggles with faith. There are some things that ain't going to happen in this world because it's God's will. It's not going to happen. And you know what it is? It's better for you. Come on now. Sometimes you need to be told no. Our kids do. I can tell you that. You think God's different. You think like you're, a, you're just a big kid now to God, okay? Okay. Like, I promise you, you have nothing. You have no idea about eternity, right? But this is where this road leads. You start to appreciate things, right? You know what it does, though? When the moments are really good and God does a miracle and God does a healing, I totally appreciate that moment. Why? Because they don't happen all the time. It's not always God's will. Listen, as as horrible as this is going to sound, right? It's not always God's will that everybody be right, everybody be perfect, everybody be healed, everybody have no hardship. Come on. Look in the Bible. Hardship is created because we sin. We're going to have that hardship anyway. No matter what, we're going to endure hardship. That's part of life. All right? That's part of life. And you know what? You can still still live in peace and joy and happiness. Why? Because you you learn that God is enough, that God will get you through the good times, and God will get you through the hard times. You don't believe me? Look at Hebrews, right? We talked about this, how the whole beginning is all these people. Look at Moses. Moses is the friend of God. Nobody like Moses before, nobody like Moses after, right? But with all the good that Moses did, he pulled all the children. We've watched all kinds of movies about this, cartoons about Moses. Moses has this epic life, but does he go to the promised land? No. Well, that don't seem fair. But we praise him in the good times and we praise him in the bad. We appreciate God no matter what. We understand that God's grace, he could have just left Moses back in the desert with all the rest that fell in the ground. And go, hey, you know what? You were leading this sorry bunch. And you left for two seconds. And look how good your leadership was when you left. He could have said that. But no, God doesn't say that. God works only. Listen, Moses, we're going to keep moving along. Down the road, we'll worry about down the road. But you start to appreciate your life. This was a good thing for me. I became to... It was good for me to learn that God was going to help. Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name when it's good, right? In all circumstances, blessed be his name. When life is good and everything is right and my kids are safe and the bills are paid, amen. I remember a song when I was preaching in a, in an all-black church one time that, you know, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. You ever heard that song? Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. And then I'd hear somebody yell out, man, I want my electricity bill paid. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. <laughs> Just call him up and tell him what you want. Oh, when you need your electricity bill paid, just call him up and tell him what you want. I mean, like, there, it, it, listen, you can call up God and tell him what you want, but that doesn't mean that's always what you're gonna get. And you know what? Praise God. Praise God. This is hard. It's hard to appreciate. It's easy to appreciate God when everything is good for you and everything in life is working out favorably. But when life is hard, can you still appreciate God? Can you still be thankful? Part of that is a process. You know, one of these things I rave about this scripture, you know it, Romans eight twenty eight. we know that God works together. We know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So part of this process is understanding. Right? We appreciate God because we understand him. That he is working all things for our good. So I can appreciate it Even when it's tough, even like Job, when all my kids are gone and a fire consumes everything and Job says it shaves his head, he steps outside naked. I came into this world naked. You'll take me, Lord. And it says in all that Job did not sin. As hard as that is, it's as if Job was saying, God, I you gave me everything. So if you see fit to take it, it does not make you not good. Right it's tough, it's hard we we can easily say God has our best interests, but when things are tough and it's hard and it, and and it, you know honestly, like nowadays, I don't bills material things, they don't bother me as much. You want to get my faith to a shaky foundation, let something happen to my kids, like I love Jesus, but I want my kids healthy. <laughs> I want my kids not having cancer. I want my kids not having those things, you know. Uh, um, Those are things where you begin to be challenged, right? I love Job's story, but let's be honest. I have not been in Job's shoes, you know. We appreciate those things, right? We appreciate our life in contrast. No matter what the circumstances are, we're to continually be appreciative, too, of what we have and even of what we don't have. Even in what we don't have. It, it changes us. This is how we walk in peace. This is how we walk in joy. You want to know how people are going to come to Jesus and see that in us? We are our love for each other. Jesus says, yes, when they see the love for it, you have for each other, right? Because we can appreciate the bond. We can appreciate what God's done. That commonality has, has grouped us together. Seasons change. Good seasons, bad seasons, part of life. Part of life. Ecclesiastes 3 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to terror and a a time to amend and a time to be quiet and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace what do people really get from all their hard work I've seen the burden God has placed on us all yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time he has planted eternity in the human heart but even so people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end so you're not going to know right There's this season for everything, which really means everything's going to change from time to time, right? I always say the best thing and the worst thing about time is the same thing, that it keeps moving, right? The worst thing about time is that it keeps moving. We don't get to enjoy any moments. The best thing about time is it keeps moving, especially when we're sick of that moment, right? That's the thing, right? Everything changes. Day to day, it changes. You can have a rough morning, but have a great tomorrow. Come on. Best thing about Monday is Tuesday. Right? Come on. Right? You, you, you begin to appreciate things. Seasons change for us. We moved out here 10 years ago, and a season changed for us. And I remember we cried. We were leaving our friends and our family, and we, we cried as the church kind of prayed over us and then lost us out and sent us down here. And, and uh, man, we cried hard because this is all we'd ever known. But the seasons change. And yet it was foreign and unfamiliar, but we had an appreciation of God and what God would do, and we believed God would. We knew one thing, that the great thing about the body of Christ is, anywhere where the blood of Christ is, we were going to have family. And with that confidence, we launched out, and we came down here, and we have found family, right? Seasons change, and for the, the last 10 years, this is the season we've been living in. Ministry in Marble Falls, loving this city, loving the people within this area and in the surrounding areas. Seasons Seasons change. Your friends change, right? Where you live changes. What you dream about changes. I can tell you there was a time uh, where my uh, mentor told me I was going to or, or teased me about planting a church. And I said, don't you ever say that. I was like, that is no, that is not, I do never want to do that. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I said, I'm not going to. And God said, oh, this is going to be great. It's a lot, guys. Um, It's important that we understand in every season, God is working all things towards our good, even the bad things. Even the bad things. Change is going to happen. The scenery of our life will change from season to season. As we get older, those that we're around now won't be who we're around later. Period. Our friends change, our families change, the culture changes. For good or for bad, church even changes. Seasons come, and they go, and they go. Think about how far we've come as a culture. As crazy as our culture is right now and all the things, one thing that culture can't do today is erase history. History is history. It's already happened. They don't get to go back and redo it. Can I tell you, it's amazing. I mean, we talk about the Azusa Revival in here, right? I mean, the Azusa Revival, God came to the black culture, right, and totally enveloped it into the Holy Spirit because they were seeking it, Right? God came to them, right, and it blew up and it created the Assemblies of God, the actual organization that wouldn't let them in until 1973. Think about that. God works in mysterious ways, crazy ways. You can't can't go back and change those things. Those things are what they are, and you appreciate them for all they're worth. How how much God, likes sees no. God never saw color. He said, I'm just going to send it to humble people. I'm going to send it to the darkest places. I'm going to send it to the ones who are hungry the most. I'm going to send it to the ones that they think nobody sees. Mm, It's good. What What it shows us is that in every season, we have to learn how to appreciate God. Sometimes that's super easy. Sometimes it is. When everything is going right, easy to appreciate God. So easy. When I can't get a microphone working and every time we plunk something in, something else turns off. And I don't even understand how it all works, right? And in my heart, I'm like, the last thing I want to do is sing a song. And then I look over and I see these kids who are smiling and just enjoying everything, oblivious to any issue, right? I'm reminded to appreciate even the hard times. And really, how hard is that? Come on. First world problem, right? First world problem. How hard is it i think the greatest reminder of why we meet in a restaurant is how much some of this stuff just the only thing reminds us of what really matters right what really matters is that i appreciate christ in its fullness that's what really matters it doesn't matter how right i sing as long as my heart when it wants to sing i allow it to sing and give praise to the lord if it gets an instrument, awesome, but if it doesn't, it shouldn't stop me from singing right again and i i I am given the I'm given the whole book of Job so that I can have contrast with my life so that I can see listen, as bad as it was for job, he lost his kids, and within days he's gone. glory be to God, right I mean. If you, if you look at, at what Nehemiah's situation, when we talk about Nehemiah on Wednesday. Nehemiah was the cupbearer. It's not like his life was going well. Like any day now, it, with every meal, Nehemiah is going, please, God, let me live after this one bite. Think about that. He's a cupbearer. All right, Nehemiah, come in. Uh, the king's going to drink some wine tonight. Nehemiah up. Okay. Remember that part in like chapter three where he says, I prayed, and you know it's like right before he spoke, so it's not like he like, hey, I need to go away for a while and pray. You know it's like he prayed under his tongue real quick like we do sometimes at work when that coworker is really offending you, and you're like, just please don't let me say anything offensive back. And You know what I'm saying? You had that long prayer that only went like literally a microsecond, you know, right before you spoke. Can you imagine Nehemiah in that moment like, all right, God, please let me live past this drink. Let me live for just one more, right? And then they're like, oh, it's lunch. Oh, three times a day I've got to risk my life, and hopefully he only eats three times a day, you know? Right? Think about the job. Think about what he's, like, and then and then he's, like, totally grateful. Like, this is just my life. I'm grateful for the position that God's given me. If he had not given me this, but think about this. If he had not given him that position of cupbearer, then he wouldn't have had the king's ear, Right? And if you hadn't been a prayer warrior, God wouldn't have been able to use him and tell him, hey, this is what I want you to do, that this vision that you have, this idea you have, is planted on by me, and I'm going to put you in position, in the right position. Uh, can you imagine us, like, thinking about that, God? I'm pretty sure the cupbearer is not the right position for the king's ear. Maybe like an advisor. I don't know if you've noticed, but, the, you know, they talk about Esther being the queen at that time. The Jews are kind of in a good position. Think about this. The Jews are in a good position, and Nehemiah is still the cupbearer, right? Think about that. He's still the expendable one. And when it's good, praise be to God, he's the governor, he's running this, he's, he's setting up all the leadership, he's building the wall, getting the temple ready, organizing Ezra and all the priests together, making sure all the genealogies are right. God is good, God is awesome, but the thing we see about Nehemiah that's impressive is that when he was cupbearer, he was faithful to the Lord still. He was grateful for the position that he was in, he was grateful for where he was at, he prayed all the time. He didn't let any of the, his position or his outlook there in Babylon and the fact that he wasn't growing up in Jerusalem like all the other uh, Jews that he would long to think about and would dream about, right? He wasn't in that position. Nope. He appreciated God for right where he was at. And that's what launched him into everything else. Oh, it's easy to appreciate God when we're in Jerusalem, it's harder to appreciate when we're not. But appreciation is the key, it's the key appreciation reveals that you've received the grace of God. Why is that so important? Because when you have, that's what will change you. Your profound appreciation is your is the correct response for receiving the grace of God. So when somebody goes, "Well, I believe Jesus died for my sins." Then awesome. You know why your life should reflect it? Because you, because you received it, because you believe it, right? Because you understand what he's done. This a, a profound appreciation, a profound thankfulness should rise up within you so that your whole life becomes a life of worship. Your whole life should be that, right? That's what changes you. It's not, you know what, if I send you to enough Sunday school and enough preaching, you're going to change. Nuh-uh. There's a church full of people that have not changed at all, but they go, they're Sunday school warriors. They're just not life warriors. And I'm telling you this, I'm the biggest misnomer in Christianity today is that it doesn't matter. There are tons of people that know God. My biggest fear is that there are not many that God knows. <laughs> that's the big deal. It's not a matter if you know God. If if, if, that, if that's all that mattered, there are a lot of people go to heaven. Unfortunately, that's not it. Jesus said... <sighs> when he said hey well we did all these things these people had ministries there's people that like are laying hands there's people that are like doing good things even in their communities and doing even godly things and there's, they're doing all sorts of things and you know what it's them that Jesus goes I don't even know you well we were successful we laid hands for people and they got healed we saw so many just come up and, and say the words that they received Jesus too well I don't know you like, that sounds really awesome. It's too bad you don't know me. You think you do. Like, you know, it's like when we read a book. You ever read a book and you think you know the author? You've read enough of their books? I always talk about Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill. I've got his giant biography at my house. I've got all, a lot of his other books there. I can almost quote, like, what he would think and what he would say. I've never met the man. I would be foolish to say, like, I know what he thinks. That would be foolish of me. I've read enough of his books to, to to like understand how he how he thinks, but I don't know the man. Right? I could do a lot of things and make him happy just by doing what he says, but that doesn't mean I actually know him. And better yet, does he know me? I remember uh, the scripture in Acts where it says uh, they talk about Paul, where the 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 demons like Jesus I know and Paul I know. Right. Does the devil know you at least? Because if he doesn't, I'm, I bet Jesus don't either. I'm just saying those are some good challenges when it's hard. Our appreciation should make us our life and our, our relationship. The best word I can say is pure. And I think it gets muddied up. I think it gets muddy up in stuff. I think it gets mud when I say stuff, I mean ministry. I think it gets muddied up. We think if we do more or stay busier, like that somehow makes us more known by God. That's not. If you want to be known by God, you want God to actually know you, you better be a prayer warrior. Probably why he was so insistent about his house being a house of prayer. Being a prayer warrior will come from a profound appreciation of what God has done and who God is that appreciation will drive you to know God like few will. When I uh, tell people, this is the last thing, and we'll, we'll we'll spend some time in worship before the Lord and just appreciation, but when I tell people, you know, what, well, what change? They ask me sometimes, what changed you? What changed your life? Or people just want to, like, they think I'm over the top, you know, I'm, I'm like Jim's on fire, or like a lot of the, References people will make towards me is like, dude, he's passionate and he's he's going to say it like it is. And he's going to listen. You know where that comes from? Gratitude. I appreciate what the Lord has done. I always see myself is not worthy to be saved. The fact that he saved me, the fact that he would take time, the fact that he would know my name when he when he went on the cross, the, the, those facts That he would still love me despite the things that I've done or the things that I've said in my past, that he could see me at where I was at the time that I was, and still say, "I want you," or "I'm going to empower you now for the mission of what I have." Like you, like I am the worst candidate to be a preacher. I'm the worst candidate to be a Christian. I'm like not the good guy. And I never see myself as that. And that appreciation, that, that knowledge of seeing God who reached down and says, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to love you. I can't stop thanking the Lord for that. And it, that is my Christian walk. I can't stop thanking the Lord. I, I am always appreciating what God has done. Through The crazy part is the older I get and the more that walk is, and I'm sure you found this way too, is that the more I see where God is constantly even making my life better. (laughs) He's like engineering certain people to come around me that's going to make my life better. All my hard times and the difficulties that I've faced in my life, I look back and I go, praise God. I had a talk with a Marine Corps friend uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, in that process, one of the things he was saying was, uh, he was like, man, I had a lot of regrets. And... uh, and, or no, 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 it was a friend here this past week uh, that came out, was kind of spending some time with him. He was hurt and broken, and so I wanted to spend some time with him, uh, brought him out to the park, and we were riding a little bit, and he was like, man, I've just got all these regrets and uh, about decisions. I, sh- I wish I hadn't have done this. I wish I hadn't done that. And I was like, you know, let me tell you something about regrets. I said, you know, I tell him about my time in the Marine Corps, some of the things that I did in the Marine Corps that I had massive regrets about. I said, but you know, the funny thing about that is, you know, it, it, there was a lot of things wrecking my life in that moment. And and I ended up coming out of the Marine Corps. A lot of you know this story already. I ended up coming out of the Marine Corps with an other than honorable, uh, not right in the head, struggling with PTSDs, um, struggling with drugs and alcohol, struggling in all those areas. But you know what happened in the process? I would end up, if I hadn't, a, if I hadn't a got out when I got out and I hadn't have been the way I, w- I was when I got out, I wouldn't have met. My wife, and if I hadn't met my wife, I wouldn't have ended up in church. And if I hadn't been in church, I wouldn't have had the life that I had. I wouldn't have had my kids. I, I was like, so you know what? No, I don't have regrets. Yeah. Do, do I? Did I hate it? Absolutely. Could, do I wish I could do it different? Yeah, because I see as the, I see now as I'm someone who's spiritually awake, right? I, I wish I I, I I repent for those things, right? Because I see the areas where I was wrong and in, in, in those areas. But do I regret it? I don't know. I think more, I'm just thankful that despite it, he rescued me. That despite my awfulness, despite my wrong decisions, despite my inability to process things, despite my lack of humanity, to my, I'll, I'll, my, I could just keep going and on and on, right? I mean, I don't know that I have regrets. I think there are just seasons. That was a horrible season for my life. One from which God was humble enough to come way down and pull me right out. And you know what I found out? Man, if God will go there, he'll go anywhere. And whether it's a good season or a rough season, blessed be his name. And that appreciation allows me to walk and act and talk like someone who never has a bad season. You know, he... The guy, when I was telling him this, he looks back at me and he goes, man, I wish I could be more like that. I was like, well, it's just simple. The more I walk with God, you start to realize, you know what? It, it's always for my good. Like, I, I don't like it. But it's like my mom says, you just got to do it. You ain't got to like it. <laughs> you know, some, some things are truth like that, right? There's a lot of things. I don't think Job liked it. I think he had to live through it. And here's the thing is, I think so will you. And appreciation will allow you to walk through it with peace and joy and and happiness, right? But you've got to surrender to it, and that part is up to you. Let's worship him this morning.
1: Lord, you are so good You are kind and you are gentle Lord, in the good times and the bad times You are sovereign Lord, you carry us when we need to be carried You nudge us when we need to be nudged you applaud us. Lord, you are so worthy. And Lord, as we sing this song this morning, Lord, these words are <laughs> so amazing. Because it shows us that in the high moments and in the low moments, you are sovereign. Sovereign highlands and in the heartache you are there no matter what in the good and the bad you are still king of kings and lord of lords so lord teach us this morning to be appreciative and to be thankful lord teach our heart to sing in those moments of sadness teach our heart to be appreciative when all things look dark teach our mouth to speak life and not death. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Always seeing you and always hearing your voice because your sheep hear your voice. So Lord, make us in tune with you.